honey on my lips. The psalmist said in Psalm 19 verse 10 about the word of God that it is sweeter than honey. Join Lady Reverend Adelaide Hayward Mills. Life has a way of dishing out to us things that we did not expect. Sometimes it's a dream that seems to be delayed. Many times you see a man, you know, he has a good job, he's a cool dude, his suit is smart, and you think, when I marry him, everything will be together. The unexpected is unexpected from our perspective, but from God's perspective, it is not unexpected. On Sweet Melodies 94.3, as she puts the honey of God's word on your lips, equipping you for all facets of life, this and every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Honey on my lips will change your life, preach good news to the poor, set the captives free, heal the brokenhearted, bring recovery of sight to the blind, and proclaim God's year of jubilee. Honey on my lips. Mmm. Saturdays at 9 a.m. on Sweet Melodies. Blessed by God as you tune in to Lady Reverend Adelaide Pewart Mills. Praise the Lord and welcome to the question and answer segment of this program. I realize during my conferences and even after that we all come and we have questions, we have dilemmas and we have issues. Everybody has issues no matter who you are. The woman with the issue of blood was not the only woman with issues. Hers was an issue of blood, but we have issues in all our lives. And I am no wise sage or any super woman, but I know by experience. For the Bible says, I have learned by experience, you know. So I know ex by experience that the Bible has the answer that the Bible is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path in a very dark and dreary world. And it is the counsel of God that by his grace I seek to bring to the people of God. I have no wisdom of my own, but only the wisdom that comes from above and the wisdom that comes from the word of God. Therefore, let us just relax Trust in the Holy Spirit to bring us answers. Trust in the Holy Spirit to be a wonderful counselor in this segment. And trust God to bring us answers. Beloved, I am not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Mm, let me tell you. Jesus is the answer for the world today. 
Sandra. If you have some questions in the corners of your mind and traces of discouragement, and peace you cannot find. Reflections of your past seem to face you every day. But this one thing I do know that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Think the sun won't shine In case you don't know But the word of God is true And everything he's promised He will do it for you That's the reason I say as you listen. What should the ideal age be between a husband and a wife? Well, I must first of all say that the Bible does not stipulate any particular age. Okay? But having said that, I've also had the privilege of counseling many different couples. So I think that you have to know the reality of each age that you are getting married to. For instance, if you're a man, you want to marry, like I said, a 19-year-old. Of course, usually, maturity goes with age, usually. So you can be 19 and still be mature, but usually, when you're 19, there are certain things that pertain to you. Do you understand? And you may not understand certain aspects of life, and even of ministry. I told you about the lady who got married, and I met them in a group, and the husband complained that she was always crying. And every time there was any disagreement, she wanted to go to mama. Obviously, such a person has not been weaned of her mother. Do you understand? So whenever there was a situation, she, didn't, she couldn't think of any situation apart from running into the arms of mama. So in such a case, I know the lady, I would say that she was not very, very mature. Because in marriage, you also have to be mature emotionally to deal with the emotional challenges that come your way. And not everybody is mature emotionally at 19 or 20. And I think her husband is a bit older. So he, he was surprised that, ah, Anything, you've bent eggs, then you are crying, you're going to mama, solve the problem, you know, and do what you have to do. So, 
Um, every age comes with its own season. And I always say that I think if I had married at 18, I would have gone to mama long ago. Because I don't think I was mature enough. And I thank God that I didn't get married at 18 or 19. I wouldn't have known what life was about. You know, I was busy with my friends, giggling. This one, his trousers are not straight. This one, what is he saying? No, girly things. So, it is later on, you become a bit more mature, a bit more stable emotionally. You don't cry at the drop of every heart. And you don't feel confused. Anything small that confronts you, you can't think. You need your mother to think for you. That's different. But having said that, I also have an auntie who has married all the ages before. She has married a younger man. She has married a man her age. And she has married an old man. And she says to me that each one has its peculiarities. It was when she married a younger man. They said, oh... It's because he's younger, you know, he's immature, and when he's talking to you, he won't whatever. So she got divorced, and she married a man her age. She still had problems. But then when she married the old man, I was old enough to see. And she was telling me, eh? he comes home every afternoon, no, he's feeling sleepy. You are chatting with him, he's asleep. Let's go to the nightclub, he says, I'm tired. Let's go here, he says, I'm not interested. So she was telling me, you see, he has finished living his life before I've come into his life. You know, so you have to consider all that. But God never gave us any age that this is it. And then also, I have been confronted these days, especially this year, many times with women who want to marry younger men. And um, I think that it could work, but sometimes when the gap it's about four years, five years, six years. I say that even when you are not older than him, how is it? And then when he grows younger than or he is younger, you grow older as time goes on. And we know also that most of the time when men grow older, they look more noble. When women grow older, you know, all our muscles are stretched. We have children. We have hormonal changes every month. (laughs) So yes, in certain respects, we grow older, faster than the men, given all the things that our bodies go through and all our monthly cycles and all that. And so let it not be that after that, he'll be looking over his shoulder to say that, you know, Lady Reverend, I married my mother. People say that. You know, I think that, and then I, somebody told me, I think she does not respect me. When I give her advice, she thinks that a small boy is talking. It may not be the reason, but because they know that that situation exists, they may always... You know how people base everything on a a situation that is not, maybe if you like, perfect. So I would say that consider everything. In a multitude of counsel, there's also safety. And see what the Lord is doing and what the Lord is saying to you. Amen. When you marry an old man too, be ready. He will sleep in front of the television. Every day he's tired. In the bedroom too, he's tired. Unless you get Viagra issues. So, you have to know that this is what you are going for. That is why when he's older, usually it's advisable for him to marry also an older woman who also doesn't have the zeal and energy 
of a, a deer of 19 years. You know, so I think if your husband is a frequent traveler for his job, is it a sin to masturbate? If so, what do you do when you have the desire? Now, I want to say that the fact that you have a desire does not mean you should fulfill it. When you fast, you have a desire to eat, but it doesn't mean you should fulfill it. And the Bible talks about putting away some evil desires. When you are fasting, eating becomes an evil desire. But when you are not fasting, eating is not evil. You understand? So it's given the situation. So the fact that you have that desire is the reason why the Holy Spirit comes to live in you to give you the gift of self-control. And I thank God that it's not called other control, pastoral control, or any other control. It is self-control. You know, so it is something that God gives us. But the Christians of today, we don't want anything to control anything. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to pay a price. We don't want to do anything like that. So instead of using this way to overcome, maybe you should go with your husband on some of the conferences. Because my mother was for many years a traveling woman. She was the president of the Ghana National Association of Teachers. She was the vice president of Education International. She was on so many boards and she was always traveling. There's no continent she has not been on. She's been to Greenland, to here, to here, you know. And then my father would always pay his way and go with her. He would just sit in the conference, participate, whatever. He was not a teacher. It had nothing to do with him. But he always made it a point to be there with her, to listen to her, give speeches, and to celebrate her, you know. So there are various ways you can um, nurture or control the desire for your husband. But if it's, you are so desperate, then I pray that the Lord will prosper you to buy tickets and go with him. But I think that you have to exercise self-control because sometimes, even when he's at home, he may be sick, just like a man. Your wife may be sick. The doctor may be saying that she's expecting a baby. It's not a reason, but maybe in a particular situation. So don't touch her for a while and all that. And I think that that is why when we are not married, the Lord says, don't touch. It's all to help us to develop our muscles for self-control. So that when we face that situation in marriage, we would have walked that road and the Lord would have trained us for what lies ahead. So I, I, I see your situation, but I'm saying that don't solve it by masturbation. Solve it by another way that is more practical. And you can't always have everything you want in life. Life is not like that. Now, once I have a desire, I have to, the Bible says, do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So it's not all the desires that are supposed to be fulfilled. We must learn to say no to our bodies. These days as Christians, our bodies are Lord and our spirits are servants. But really, your spirit man, which is born again, must control your body. And Paul said, I keep my body under and bring it under control. First Corinthians 9, lest after preaching Christ, I myself may be a castaway. If Apostle Paul 
had to control his body all the time. And if he could become a castaway, how much more you? You have not been to even the first heavens before you will go to the second. So I think that that would help. And then also you should speak to your husband about your needs and see together how best you can solve it. Amen. How do I figure out God's plan for my life? The art of hearing by Bishop Doug Ewart Mills will show you how to figure out God's plan for your life. God leads us in various ways. Sometimes he leads us by directed paths. But he can lead you by directed paths only when you have done the first part, which says, I know your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And Bishop gives the example of going to an airport and sometimes a place has been cordoned off. You can't go through there. So God leads us sometimes that way. You get to a place, it's cordoned off this place. You have no other way to go than to go to gate 17 this way. Do you understand? So directed paths, God leads us by his word. There are different types of voices, and none of them is without signification. It's all in the art of hearing. So I encourage you to get the book, and it will help you to know how to know God's plan for your life. But let me say that if you are not faithful in little things, God is not ready to show you big things. He had called Paul, and he said that I will show you how much you must suffer for my name and all that. But he didn't give him the mandate to preach to Gentiles immediately. He had to just join the disciples, be amongst them, be put in a basket, be lowered, and all that before with time he became an apostle. Usually that's how God leads. Even Jesus, he didn't just bring him and say, save the world. He lived for 30 years. It's after 30 that he was released into his real ministry. So usually that is how God would lead you. And I pray that just as you buy things to enhance your body, you will go and get this book because it will change your life. Amen. Why do we say praise and worship? I always do worship and praise. According to scripture, what is the right order? God is not a God of rigidity. And so when he says praise and worship, he doesn't mind which one comes first. So far as it is done. Amen. So maybe we say praise and worship, but it should be worship and praise. So you arrange it whichever way. But no matter what it is, God is praised and God is worshipped anyway. That's what really matters. The letter killeth, the, the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. So sometimes the letter, do this, do that, do that. That's not what God is interested in. Dear mommy, if a man or husband falls victim to a princess of darkness, how can he be delivered or redeemed? He admitted the affair, but we believe she left him a spirit because he no longer loves or appreciates his wife and is causing misery to his wife. I don't know whether you are talking about somebody, you are talking about the situation I talked about. How can he be saved? Apart from us praying for him, is there something he needs to do himself? Well, yes. I believe that many of the things we are delivered from, God does it without consulting us. Because the Bible says, the angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivers them. So it's not everything that you are supposed to do in your might. You are not your own shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd. If the Lord were to give you the responsibility of being your own shepherd, you wouldn't even sleep. The demons you will see. The archangels of hell that will be around you. You can't manage it. So we must learn to 
trust in God's power, trust in his light, and trust in his ability. Now, this guy had been spoken to by God that this thing that you are doing is not the right thing. But he had to go through a deliverance session, I mean, a um, manifestation session to see that the girl was demon-possessed. I believe that demons can be cast out sometimes through prayer and fasting because Jesus said, this one does not, this kind cometh not out except through prayer and fasting. So sometimes when you are fasting, you think you are praying for other things, but actually a deliverance is occurring. And prayer also sets you free. The name of Jesus sets you free. So many things set you free. But after you have delivered, you've been delivered, you must fill that void or that place with good things. Because that demon that was sent out in the Bible, it came back with seven more demons, more evil than the previous one. Because he came and found the place swept and everything. There was no problem. But it had not been filled with anything. You need to fill your heart, your life with the word, with the things of God. So that when the demon returns, which he will, he will find out that there are new occupants. And that the house is under new uh, management. And therefore there will be no room for the demon. What, what should this boy do? I think that he must pray and ask God for deliverance. He can be prayed for. But above all, he must learn to flee. You see, when the girl came, he was having a long conversation with the girl. So, so why are you? What, so I said, I'm leaving you. And then the girl now jumps on you, becomes strong. The Bible says, flee youthful lust. He didn't say negotiate youthful lust. He didn't say explain youthful lust. He didn't say explain with diagrams. But many of us, we explain. I went for a daughter who can make it in a city. And I was talking to the pastor at a, a pastor's fellowship. And then he told me, he saw some girls, and I forgot the details, but he, the girl called him, pastor, I need counseling, whatever. And then when he went into the room, the girl was topless, sleeping on her bed. And then he, the pastor, also took a seat and sat down and said to the girl, he was telling me, why, oh, oh. Why, why, what are you doing? Oh, try and wear your blouse. What? Immediately he started the story. I said, stop right there. I am very, very angry. What you are saying? And the wife said, Lady Reverend, say it. I've been telling him, say it. So I said, what do you do? I said, oh, I told her, oh, no, what are you doing? No, get up and dress. Put on your blouse. And then I said, then what do you do? I opened the Bible and I started to share with it. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I mean, how naive. How simple-minded can you be? So I told him, I said, that, do you know what fleeing means? It's between flying and running. And that, let him who thinks, he said, it didn't occur to me. I said, then you are enjoying the free show. It's very, 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 very serious. In fact, I faced him with everything within me. So the Bible says flee. But some of you, you are rather going deeper. And then when you finish, you say it's the princess of darkness. You are going deeper. You have to become like Joseph. Sometimes you even have to run away naked. It's better to go with the shame than to fall. Because when you fall sometimes, God will forgive you, but it will change your destiny. Amen. So I think that this is something he ought to have done. The Bible says, flee youthful lusts. He didn't say that. Try and wear your blouse. Okay, let's share a scripture. Look. 
Thank God he didn't fall into sin. And the wife was saying, you know, I've been telling him. Listen. So he can be saved by being sensible. Joseph fled. And that was Potiphar's wife. Eh? A very powerful woman. You, this foolish girl at the Bronx. Leave her, okay? As a young single sister, how do I find a good, dedicated Christian brother? I would say that this is a whole sermon. There are things I've preached about how to be found and how to be marriageable. I think that a lot of it will answer all these questions. You know, because I will not have the time to go through everything with you. How to be found and how to be marriageable will answer your questions. One of the things I say is that you must go to a place where people meet and people congregate. And you must be ready to be sociable because Rebecca, she was found at the well where people come to. You know, and Abraham's servant had come there. And then also she didn't just stick to herself. I'm minding my own business. Oh, sir, what can I do to help you? Can I get you some water? What about your donkeys? Whatever, you know. But of course, she didn't have the aim to trap somebody. But she had the heart to just be who she was. Do you understand? So when your aim is just to trap somebody, there is a difference. But I think that sometimes we don't use wisdom. You are not friendly. We can't say hi to you. You are not approachable. I say about Abigail that she was approachable so her servants could tell her what was happening in the house. But some of you, when you are madams, you are not approachable. No, hey, nobody below you can speak to you or relate to you. You are high and mighty. You are high and lifted up. <laughs> Do you understand? So I talk about all that in how to be found. And of course, you may be a Christian sister, but you must learn how to look nice. You see? As for you, everything that has outmoded, that you are now wearing. Do you understand? Every day you are doing complex things that are not nice. Complexity doesn't mean niceness. Do you understand? It's complex, but it doesn't mean it's nice. When you are coming, we feel that you are so crowded. Everything is so... So learn also how to look good and how to look nice. And then I would say that most of us, by the grace of God, found our husbands by just serving the Lord. But when you are serving the Lord also, open your eyes. Because I would tell you. So I would say that, but I would say that it's not all the time when you've done everything that you'll get a husband. Sometimes the good people even don't get a husband, but the some way ones. Do you understand? But the Bible has something you call see, the flower of your age. There's a certain time when you are a flower. All the bees are coming. It's not going to be there forever. But some of you think that it's forever. Somebody will tell me, Lady Reverend, me, I know. When I look in the mirror, I'm very beautiful. I can tell that I'm very, very, very beautiful. But whether your beauty will last. From him 44, you may be going to 52. We don't know. You know, so I, I think that God does bring people, but usually we don't cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So we don't like it. One of my friends said he didn't go to the right school. When I asked why, she said that, you see, uh, from one to five, 
he went to Accra Academy, which is a school in Ghana. But six from he went to Osechuchi. So I don't think. Then I said, oh, but is this a point? I told my husband he was very angry, so he summoned the sister. What are, what are you thinking? How are you thinking? Don't you see? Today she's married happily to this Osechuchi graduate. So the things that we even fuss about, they are not necessary. So may the Lord bless you in your season. What are some of the things single independent females should look for when choosing a husband? Independent, then you are not a candidate for marriage. Because the Bible says, wives, submit unto your own husbands. So if you don't have that spirit of submission, then I think you should become like Rospero. Just become an independent candidate with no party. You stand on your own. Because marriage makes you very dependent. And so many decisions that you would have taken on your own. You now have to ask somebody. Eh? I'm going here. What do you think? I don't think you should go. But when you are single, you take your bag. You are off. Free electron. So independent female must learn to become dependent. Amen. Independence is good. To some extent. But step one is to lose your independence. Because marriage takes two. Do you understand? My Bible says a man shall leave his father and join, be joined to his father, and they shall become one flesh. So always look at who you are being joined to. Because it determines the direction in which you go. But I think how to be married and how to be found will be good messages for you. If a husband does not consult his wife in decision making, what should the wife do? It is, you should join the rest of the world. In the message, the woman of good understanding. You see, there's no example the Bible doesn't give us. Abigail was somebody who was not consulted by her husband. When David came, asked for food, he insulted David, he won't give David. He never said anything to Abigail. And that is one of the most painful things for a woman. Because when she's not up to date with what is happening in your life, brothers, she feels left out. It's not because she wants to do anything with it, but she just wants to feel a part of you. Do you see? But also there are some women who behave like that. They don't involve their husbands in anything. One sister bishop told me, this particular sister, the husband said that every holiday she plans, she plans it on her own. She's going. Every holiday. She does not add that. The husband will be saying, oh, what about me? Oh, can't we go? Because she has made her plans already. Do you see? So if he doesn't consult you, first of all, I'll say you are not alone. Number two, I would say that there's nothing new under the sun. And God gives us examples like Abigail's to help us to know what to do. Number three, I believe that God sends other sources of information that come to you about your husband and about what is happening. Because Abigail was, she didn't search for the news. It just came through the servants. But because she was approachable, the news came. And then when she got to know his decision, she didn't enter into a bout of exchange of uh, insults, trading accusations. It would have wasted her time. So she just took a timely decision, saddled a donkey, took some food to save her own husband's life. And it was after she had come home. Even then he was not sober. She didn't speak. It was when he had gotten over his drunkenness 
that she told him what she had done. So some of the decisions he may not consult you. But when you get to know about them, you to do what you can do to help the situation. Amen. But many of us would have said, oh, well, he didn't tell me. Eh, David should just come and kill all of us and he will see what happens when you don't consult your wife. And then also find out why he doesn't tell you. Sometimes isn't, there's no malice. He just forgets. So when that happens, you have to find a way of always informing the person. Find out why he doesn't inform you. Usually it's not with anything malicious, but he just gets carried away. So make an excuse for him. Instead of making third world war. You never tell me anything. He doesn't have any, even in law, if you don't have a bad intention, it's not a crime. Do you understand? So intention and motive is everything. So ladies, be softer judges. Eh? And find a better way of... And also, sometimes when we are not told, we don't want to ask. It's like, if you don't tell me, be there. I'll also be here. You know? But just come without being accusatory and say, hey, I hear you are going for daughter. Is it true? <laughs> oh, yes, it's true. I thought I told you that. Whatever. And then, love believes the best. Love does not believe that he's hiding. He doesn't want to tell me. I'm not important to him. You see, we read into things, the meanings. And that's where the problem comes. So let's think about the right things and there'll be peace at home. Pastor, please, I'm a slim gentleman in my branch. But all the available ladies in my branch say they want big, muscled, macho men. Please, what should I do? And if, and is there any advice for the ladies in my branch? Brother, there are many other branches. Look further afield, brother. Somebody will like your slim frame. Amen. Look, come and see me after the session. Maybe they feel that you look so light that you can't protect them. But look, all of them were slim. And now they have, they have some flesh, so don't worry. You may not have comeliness now, but your time is coming. Amen. But I don't know whether you've proposed to this, then they told you that they want mass. How do you know? What the ladies, all of them want. There are some ladies who want slim men. Slim macho. Okay. So take heart. You will find the right woman. You said, what advice do I have for the women in your branch? Women, open your eyes and see the slim macho. He may be your blessing. What should a wife do if when her husband gets upset when she asks him to help around the house? If when? What should a wife do when or if, I think? Her husband gets upset when she asks him to help around the house. Talk to your pastor. Talk to somebody he listens to. And then also if you ask him to help around the house, the way, you see. (laughs) We used to have a friend who was a very good cook. And then once we went to his house at the medical uh, uh, flats, the house officers, he said, oh, I've stopped cooking. 
We said, oh, you were such a good cook even before you got married. When you come, I said, because my wife, now when visitors come, then she'll be calling me, hey, go and blend the things you were doing. You didn't finish this. You didn't finish that. So nowadays, they say, no more, it's finished. When my friends come, then she's now coming to show her master. I don't want that. So it's also the way you ask for the help. You know? And I think that if he doesn't listen, then if you can afford other forms of help, use it. But sometimes you can get other help so that every day you are talking, it doesn't yield results. You are speaking to the, the, the fig tree. It's not bringing forth any fruit. Why do you keep speaking to it? You have to find another way. You see, but some of you say, you will look after the children. I'm leaving them with you. When you come, you can't find them. Two are in the garden. Three are here. Why? So you have to find other ways of making your, wife, your life easier. But if you also listen to his pastor, it will be good. Because in this country, you really need each other. And even Ghana is becoming like that. You know, now it's not easy for people to just get help, to just whatever. So it's becoming like that. So people have to help. Do you understand? So please, brothers. I'm so blessed by seeing and listening to you today for the first time. Wow. I'm so inspired to be a woman of God and a righteous daughter. God bless you and your husband for the wonderful work you're doing. I love you, mommy. If you had a beloved, that ate most of your money. most of your money spend this one is literal translation when you were with him and now that you are not together and now that you are not together he wants your money for his ministry because he has become a pastor what do you do God didn't say that he's calling beloved to sponsor the ministry no The ministry is sponsored by everybody. We all pay tithes to the ministry for the ministry to work. So he can't say that because he's a pastor, it's your calling to support his ministry. Unless God has given you that word. But you saw that he was always spending all your money. (laughs) So he's now finding another way I submit to get to your money. So I don't think that you should be so soft to just be you know, if you have started a ministry, he wants you to support him. Find out if you can do it. Find out if you think that's what God is asking you to do. And then, do what is right. But don't sponsor him because you feel that you will keep him interested in you by giving him money. Then the basis of the relationship itself is not a good basis. And it won't last. Amen. You have your beloved and you are ready to marry. And you see pictures on Facebook with him touching another woman's breast. In more than three pictures. So you break up with him. Is it okay? I think it's really okay. Amen. But I wonder, you see, we women to center, we have the gift of exaggeration. So I'm not sure whether he was really touching their breasts. Or maybe he was near. Three different pictures. 
And I think three different women. But many times, God also gives you hints, hunches, things that you should see. You see, I was just talking to one of our sisters. She had some foolish boyfriend with Rasta, with dreadlocks. Not only the dreadlocks, but within his spirit, he was a foolish boy. And I was just telling her, look at how God has delivered you, giving you a nice husband. But this foolish boy, you were foolish. She said, stupid boy, foolish, foolish. So sometimes God gives you all the hints, but you refuse to hear. You see, love is blind, but the neighbors are not. You are only you who are in the love. You are blind, but all of us can see. So if if on Facebook, he's touching women in a certain way, you don't even know those women. And he has three different ones already. I think that for you to break up, you have done yourself a favor. Okay? Yeah, what are the ones you don't see? You see? So you have to be very careful. Three is a lot. So I think you've, you've done a good thing, the right thing. What should you do if <laughs> you, the woman, is not, hey, is not half in the bedroom? You tell him he does nothing about it. He always wants to do it fast and leave. What should you What should you, the wife, do? You have to go for therapy. Therapy. <laughs> when I was married only about a year, Uncle James had a, a married couple, something for us, very short. I mean, very small group. And the people who had been married for some time had the same problem that you are talking about. And I do know that in many circumstances, we say in our marriage counseling, a woman is like a person I own. You put her on for some time before she starts to function. But a man is like a light bulb. As soon as you put him on, he comes on. And that the speed with which he comes on is the speed with which he goes off. <laughs> because even after you have turned an iron off, it takes time before the, lion, the iron will lose its heat. But as for a socket, as for a play, 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 play. So I think that you should learn to Speak about your bedroom life with each other. And tell your husband how you feel. Most of the time, a woman feels used in that way. It's like she was just there. She was just used to, for some release, and then you are going. Brothers, change is coming. Amen. If you will consider the other better than yourself, you now begin to consider the person I own. What should we do? More than the. <laughs> so I think you should also seek help from your pastor or whoever he can speak to the person. Amen. I'm afraid that I will miss out on God's kingdom. I want to be a child. I want to do all I possibly can. I'm trying. I've become more conscious of God's ways and rules. I've become overwhelmed with the fear of God and not making it to heaven. Is it, can, is it because I have not had a powerful encounter? Do 
Do I have to have a moment with God spiritually or, or physically to be reassured that God loves me and I'll make it to heaven? Please help me understand the feeling that comes with knowing I'm saved. Thank you. Well, what I would say is that you have a wonderful desire. And whatever desire you have, God satisfies it. And no, you don't need a supernatural encounter before you will know God. But as you walk with God, you will see him in many facets. And some of them will definitely be supernatural. And the surest thing is the word of God. So you said that you want to know that you will make it to heaven. You want to know that you are a child of God. You want to know that God loves you. It is his indelible and unchanging word that will tell you that. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away. But his word will never pass away. So it's something that you can bank your hopes on. And so don't go by your feelings. Don't even go by what you experience. But go by what God's word is saying. The Bible says, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God or the sons of God. So when you read that, you will know that God loves you. The Bible says nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Romans chapter 8. Shall persecution or peril or sword or farming or things past or things present or things to come. Nothing shall separate us. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God. So bank what you believe on God's word. Because God's word goes through every season and remains the same. And God bless you and lift you up to higher heights. Amen. How do a couple take a decision when they both have different fathers in the ministry? And who gives them advice? The husband thinks only the advice from his father in ministry should be carried out. What do you do as a wife if you can't also go and tell your father in ministry this is what the other father advised us to do? It creates confusion. How come you have two different fathers? Do you understand? What church are you in? What covering are you under? Which ministry are you under? And that is what is creating the confusion. And also, the advice must be based on the word of God. So, where is the advice coming from? Is it a power play? When two elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. Maybe the two fathers are opposed to each other. You, the grass under, you are suffering. So I think you have to decide who you think God is leading you to as a father. And you have to flow from there. And then you also have to see what will God have us do and do it. But it shouldn't bring competition of fathers. Is it okay for your husband to go out on a dinner date with a woman who is going through marital problems? No. No. Look, go and buy Pastor Larry Stockstill's message. It will solve all these your problems. Let's all go for the dinner. Yeah, because as you are going for the dinner, it's a date. What does it mean? How is it? No? It all depends. But sometimes you are describing it as a dinner date. So I don't... You see, but I don't think it's healthy. So... Maybe you should also go with him. But sometimes, some of you wives also, you go. And then when your husband is counseling, the person is like, hurry up and let's go. It's not important. We are tired. It's late. Isn't it? So he won't take you because you are a deterrent. Your face alone. It's not a ministry face. 
So find out why you're also not taking. How do you know if someone is a loyal person or just trying to gain the pastor's favor by reporting everything? You sound very oranguic. <laughs> well, you cannot know. It's only God who knows everything. The Bible says we should leave everything. And then God himself who judges will show how everything is. But I have come to see that anything that's not of God usually does not stand. It may be around for a while, but it won't stand. And it won't stand the test of times. So if the person is just being Joseph impression or Josephine impression, don't worry. Peter said, this man, will he die? Will he live long? Will he? You just look in your plate. Do what God has called you to do. Be faithful and leave the politicians to do politics. Amen. Amen. I have learned not to be involved in politics, especially church politics. Sometimes people don't even know I'm aware. But I see two people who don't flow in the same church, even at the Kodesh. And when they see me, somebody who will usually not hug me, but is with her rival. Oh, sister, mommy. Oh, so. How the... So that the other one will feel very left out. And, and the one I see that it's a political move, I was, oh, Rosalind, how is it? It's okay, okay. Then we all work together so that your politics is diffused. You see, but you can live in a very political situation and it, it can determine and affect your behavior, which you must guard against. So I think that the key is to guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. So my aim is to please the Father. If things are said that are not true, things are believed, I just ask God, God, is it true what they are saying? If it's true, cleanse me and help me. But if it's not true, I look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, and I just keep walking on. And I have come to see by experience that such things, they fizzle away easily. They, they don't last. So let's not even use our energy and things to, to... And also, how do you know why are you pointing fingers at the person being loyal to get a favor? I mean, leave it to God. He's the one unto whom all things are naked. Amen. What will you do when you feel like getting out of your marriage after so many years of boring life? What will you do if you feel like getting out? I will not obey the feeling. Hallelujah. When you become a Christian, you say Jesus is Lord. Your emotions are not Lord. Your feelings are not Lord. Your unhappiness is not Lord. It's the word of God that is Lord. Amen. And you say your marriage is boring. Put a spark into it. Put some spark into the marriage. Marriage depends on the two of you, not on one. So if you feel that it's boring, ask yourself, what type of excitement am I looking for? And whatever you are looking for, begin to sow it. It will take time, but the harvest will come. When you sow that thing, you will reap it. Definitely. Amen. But don't think that there's excitement over the wall. The grass looks greener on the other side. The only thing you don't know is that they've been mowing it for a while. Okay? So I don't know when you say your marriage is boring. What will bring it to life? Let it not be that some foolish man at the job place is making you feel that here comes excitement. Because it's not so. What do I do for God to hear my prayers and immediate needs? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all other things 
shall be added unto you. I'm a living testimony of that. When Bishop says that there are many things he doesn't pray about, it's true. There are many things that I don't pray about, but God just does them. You know, the, the day before, the Monday after the consecration, no, I think the Friday before the weekend, I just got up at dawn and then I started to pray. But when I started to pray, my whole prayer became tears because I felt that God had been so good to me in every way, spiritually, physically, and everywhere. And I remember that David said, and who am I? The least of all that you should remember me. And then Jacob said, I'm not worthy of all these thy mercies. You know, so I just started weeping. You would think that I have a major burden. It was just a heart of thankfulness for the things that God had done. The things that I thought I have to save for, I have to plan for. God just found a way of just blessing me. And I was so overwhelmed, spiritually and all. And he will do the same for you. You see, it's amazing. The things you don't pray for, he brings to you when you seek first his kingdom. Hallelujah. He has a way. He will always give you your daily bread. Always. Always. You may not have monthly bread. You may not have even weekly bread. But as for daily bread, he will always come through for you. Amen. So seek first his kingdom. Let your heart really go after the things of God. And everything else, including a good husband, a good home, peace will be added unto you. God bless you. You've just finished hearing this message and I cannot leave you without giving you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. You want to say, Lady Reverend Adelaide, pray for me. I don't know whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I'm not sure of where I will go or my destination. I want to make things right with God. I want to start afresh with God. I want Jesus to come into my life and be the Lord of my life. If you want to have Jesus as the Lord of your life, I just want to invite you to say this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. Please wash me in the blood of Jesus. Take my life and come inside and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for coming to die for me, Jesus. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life. And thank you that by this prayer, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus, come in and be Lord of my life. Amen. It was great having you with us today. To find out more about the CDs and DVDs advertised on today's program, or to find out more about resources available by Adelaide Hayward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh Lighthouse Chapel International, North Kanishi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hayward Mills. For prayer and counseling, call 0268-243-444, 0268 
243444. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com or text us on 0268-243-444. We will love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.